what the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Welcome to the Lowdown Wrestling Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller, and with me is Trey Irby from the Crimson Mask website. Trey, thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, thank you. I, I feel bad because I feel like it's I'm more my thing's just more a Twitter account now than even like an actual website. Like, I mean, I have a blog and whatnot. I just haven't updated that blog in a while. I mostly. If I do post anything wrestling related, it's with uh, Tom Holzerman's uh, wrestling blog. But even yeah. that, I've been kind of lazy about. Sorry, Tom. Um, apparently, there's not. I don't. I don't feel like there's much to talk about when Total Divas is not on the air. Apparently, I've not had the chance to watch that yet. Uh, but I've seen. The only chance I get to read about it is um, on the Level website. Yeah, their their report. the The best part about uh, their report of Total Divas was uh, I've ended up finding out really quickly that um that and this has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but let's go with the sides anyway. Um, but yeah. I found out that uh, both uh, the guy that writes the uh, with leather reports for Total Divas, uh, the guy that uh, did the Total Divas wrap up for kfabecomedy dot com, uh, yeah, folks, and myself. All of us, without any prodding from the other, or even any realization that we did it, we all just incidentally just had, like, a Total Divas power ranking. <laughs> we just had to order <laughs> up which person... Who was the who was the most interesting person on this show, and who was the least interesting person on this show? And yeah, I've like, got... Like, almost yeah, always, it was... it was Eva Marie being, like, the worst. <laughs> just universally, everybody's just like, eh, Yeah, it was always man. her. It was always her and JoJo at the bottom. No matter what. Poor JoJo. Yeah. That's, that's one of the yeah. things that's going to be very, very sad to learn, that uh, uh, she's not coming back for season two. Which oh, isn't is surprising she? if you watched, like, the last six or seven episodes of season one, where she's in the credits, but, like... Uh, I I take it to like you know like when like a random character on like Friday Night Lights suddenly gets like elevated to being a main character, but they still have to have like other people on the or or maybe I'm thinking of more like Veronica Mars when like Duncan leaves and uh, but, but he's still in the credits, <laughs> but you're like, well, he's gone now. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, uh, I got told she wanted to spend more work in the performance center, um, but that uh, like she wasn't on the show so much. Yeah, well, the problem is, the most of the reason why she's on the show, it, well, it's that she's on TV was because she was on the show. I'm not yeah. totally certain. I hope I hope things turn out well for JoJo, I do. Um, but I'm a little worried that if he, she's suddenly off the show now, um, that doesn't really bode well for future prospects, per se, at least in the WWE. Yeah, that's true, especially for women. Um, yeah, well, what I, I did enjoy of a massive aside to Tulsa Divas, that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, we are continuing our series into the Undertaker streak, and this time it's his fourth match where he takes on King Kong Bundy at WrestleMania 11. And this WrestleMania isn't that great, and unfortunately it's this... It's, no. um, it's uh, to sum it up best for, like... I, I, I know that it's kind of like, you know, old hat to be like 1995 was the dirt worst year for the WWF, but to sum the show up very, very quickly, the first match on the show is basically two of the guys that were actually the biggest, probably two of the bigger stars that they had built at that point, being uh, Lex Luger and uh, the British Bulldog, are in a tag yeah. team match with the Blue Brothers, which only have, like, they have one very, very loose connection to uh, today's product in that the Blue Brothers were managed by the man that would become Zeb Coulter. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, he was uh, Uncle Zebekiah, oh, yeah. and he he was not nearly as entertaining at this point in his career. Oh, he's, God, no. He's, co- just co- an old, he's basically just an old redneck cowboy at this point. He still has, like, uh, uh, Dutch Mantel always kept his facial hair real nice, because he still had, like, the weird uh, sideburns, the, not the sideburns, like, the weird mustache thing. He clearly yeah. has invested in a lot of mustache oil in his lifetime. Or mustache <laughs> wax, excuse me, that's what it was. In his lifetime, because, like, yeah. he looks, other than the fact that he's slightly grayer now, he and obviously wears different clothes, he looks exactly the same. <laughs> Facial hair yeah, exactly I mean, the same. Yeah, I love Zeb Coulter. Uh, he's a very entertaining uh, character. And to some extent, he's, uh, he's like, really? <laughs> I don't think. But, yeah, I, I love him. He's always... Always, always makes me laugh, especially, did you see this year's Royal Rumble? Oh, yes, yeah. He's coming up the signs. Yeah, I was actually at a uh, random party um, where we, I, I'm fortunate enough to have, like, you know, a group of friends that actually are like, yeah, let's order the Royal Rumble, let's have, like, a Rumble pool and everything. And literally, yeah. both of the times that uh, Coulter came out, you know, first with Swagger and then with Cesaro, both of the times, the only thing we could hear is basically just our, ourselves laughing. <laughs> because he, as soon as he gets up the side, he puts up the side. But, like, you know, I think it was, like, something about, like, every 90 seconds, another illegal crosses the border or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, something so patently, like, racist and absurd. <laughs> we just all just ended up just dying laughing, and we just couldn't do anything for, like, a good minute or so. But anyways, I'm going to... I'm going to try to get this connection loose here in that. So, Zeb Coulter is a manager. You know who else is a manager? Ted DiBiase. Yes, and he's in this match. Um, Yeah. um, (laughs) Do you like my transitions? Yeah, very very good segue. Um, Yeah, he... I can't remember it because we went to this massive side. Um, Yeah, but this day, Undertaker faces King Kong Bundy. And this feud pretty much started the previous year because um, at Royal Rumble 94, he faces Yokozuna in a casket match. I've not, not seen this match, but that's, that's his last match for a while because pretty much everyone helps out Yokozuna to put him in the casket. Right. And then you don't, right, don't see him again. And then Million Dollar the Man comes out, reminiscent of his, is how, how Undertaker debuted you know, for the first time, brings out, you know, another Undertaker, but it's, it's established pretty quickly that's the fake Undertaker. Oh, yeah, this uh, is the fake Undertaker build-up. The, the one yeah. that ended up having the Undertaker versus Undertaker SummerSlam match and all that. Yeah, it's it, it pretty much... What, what I'm not going to see that... Um, it's pretty much... Like, we're being told it was a great build-up, bad match kind of thing. That didn't um, surprise me yeah. either. Yeah, because <laughs> fortunately um, Undertaker, great character, but was, this is probably like the bad part. Of his um, WrestleMania history, pretty much from WrestleMania nine to possibly fourteen. I mean, uh, like, we are probably... going through the era where you know it's like, I mean, not yeah. I was about to say nine being Giant Gonzalez and uh, yes. I think Snooka's one of them, and uh, just like this wild streak of like, well, this is this is a really really weird thing to uh, have Undertaker just face this guy, and uh, in the yeah. case of this match, it really is just a match, which is also crazy to think about, like, because in hindsight, no matter what happens, when we're taping this, we're on the uh, eve of WrestleMania 30, you know, in 2014. Yeah. I like I like dating it because God, God knows. Um, yeah. But, you know, and no matter what happens, no matter who Undertaker faces, it's a guarantee that that match is probably going to go mm, about a half hour because it's an Undertaker yeah. match at WrestleMania. Where this match is literally a match in the middle of the show, where it's just like, oh, yeah, we got to have Undertaker on the show, so let's give him a match. Who's he feuding with? Oh, DiBiase? Uh, I don't know. Bundy. We'll go Bundy. Just, just go out there. Just beat him. Yeah. yeah okay. I, it's weird because um, the whole stop, well, with the feud, it kind of escalates to a certain point when I was thinking of faces iOS at one the 95 one. Um, at that match, there's so much interference and cheating during the match, but Undertaker wins with a choke slam. Um, <laughs> after the match, Bundy comes out and they have a stare down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just out of nowhere. It's like, yeah, boom, they go. Um, and then, but while... 
we possess the urn. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. I, I, I think I wrote, and uh, admittedly, I feel like I'm, I'm going to be terrible as far as, like, the history elements of this, but I think yeah. I wrote, I just wrote, IRS and DVLC have the urn for some inexplicable reason. Like, I think it, I, I'm probably stealing this bit from, like, other podcasts I've heard about 95, but, like, of all, of all the people that could really take the power of the urn, IRS does not seem like a person that would get much out of it. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, mean, it, I guess, I guess, uh, urns have like, you know, uh, heavy, uh, tax write-offs. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the weirdest thing is that, um, but between 94 and sometimes 94, the urn goes through a growth spurt and it's like 10 times the size. Yeah. Um, I, I also I also found it interesting when I when I kind of bring up like the whole fact of that one because um, when Taker comes out and I've no and obviously this is just one of those things where like just people just love the Undertaker it doesn't matter what the Undertaker does but yeah you actually telling me that you know this is in the midst of you know a feuds midst of you know the fact that he returned and you know all, all this stuff even though his return had been six months earlier but regardless it's still kind of you know the, oh, yeah, Undertaker's back sort of thing. Um, yeah. When Undertaker comes out, people go bananas for him. Like, like that, oh, that doesn't do. change. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't change over the years, but, you know, people just, like... Like, when like when Bundy comes out, though, it's not like they're, they're like, you know, booing him massively, like, oh, boo, they're just they're like... They're not really, oh. no. They don't really care. <laughs> but when Undertaker shows up, they go crazy. Yeah, they do. I mean, um, obviously, Kick on Body comes out with the Million Dollar Man holding the urn, and obviously they're using the Million Dollar Man theme tune, which is, like, one of my favourite tunes of all time. It's up there, for sure. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, and during this entrance, um, one of the people that I wondered how long, why you, why you was in the WWE for so long was Todd Pettingill. <laughs> yes. I could not stand the guy. <laughs> I'd put this note down, too, because uh, he was interviewing just, like, a random football player. I think his name is uh, yeah. Neil Anderson, which I, yeah. I, I, even though I know a lot about uh, professional football, my guess is just they, they around this time, of course, you know, the big buildup of the whole show, of course, is the Bam Bam LT match. Yes. And, um, of course, the, this is just the point where they just have, like, just random wrestlers, do, uh, random football players, excuse me, just be like, yeah, I think LT will win this match. And then Todd Pettin will be like, oh, how crazy. Oh, look, there is the Undertaker. And you'll be like, okay, you're Todd Pettin, you shut up. Please, please stop talking. Um, and, yeah. but what I was yeah. most impressed by, which, <laughs> what I was most impressed by out of, like, you know, all the things was certainly that, um, that uh, obviously Todd Pettengill is a fine mullet at this era, at this uh, age. I will give it. I will give oh, it gosh. that. I think I want to say there was like a WWE.com piece like not too long ago where you know a sort of where are they now thing where he just kind of was just like yeah. really inspired by like the Shawn Michaelses of the world and the people that had <laughs> absurd mullets in '95 and he just said, "Oh, grow my hair out to be a mullet too." and be as obnoxious as possible. I don't. He, he didn't say that part, but that's kind of like the that's kind of like the code. If you're going to behave a lot like a uh, Shawn Michaels or an outrageous personality in the World Wrestling Federation, uh, that's probably what what he was going for. But yeah. Anyways, it, I I found that part funny also though because it was starting to become clear that no matter what, no, it, it's like. WrestleMania is supposed to be, like, this massive show, but this yeah. is, like, the first part where I've seen, like, something happen where they're just, like, like, it's almost it's almost like a Raw is happening, and, like, just a random, like, you know, it's almost like a Raw now where they're, like, oh, yeah, stay tuned, we got uh, the big main event, you can watch the big main event coming up here, you know, also, King yeah. Kong Bundy, he's got an axe handle or whatever, King Kong Bundy doing an axe handle, let's yeah, we... but... Yeah, with this match, there's also some weird things that happen. I mean, there's a bit bit later on that when, um, we'll get to it in a minute, when Karma leaves, that something happens there. Um, <laughs> no, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, there was, great, there was a fantastic uh, random, yeah, random series of things. Yeah, uh, that yeah but we'll get to that in a minute. Right. Uh, yeah, so, um, what I can mention in the podcast is that um, I always seem to be comparing like, what Undertaker is doing now to what he did then. 
and this is like the first WrestleMania where you they were sort of like WWE was spending like you know with lights and now making the arena dark and all that stuff. And this is the first WrestleMania entrance for the Undertaker where you know the bell dongs and it goes you know black as he the thunder you know the thunder and lightning as he, he's coming in. Um, you see Barry like pretend to hold the urn because you know he's, he's missing three months. So as the media entrance, like he's like he looks like he's like pretend to hold the urn like he's still like dead in spirit kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that, um, anyways, go go ahead. Sorry, I, I sounded like no, I was going to say something, but I wouldn't. Ah, that's no problem. Um, and one interesting thing to note is that um, the referee is a baseball umpire by the name of Larry Young. Because uh, it's yeah, the... a little weird. I didn't really yeah, get any of that, but you know, yeah. why, he was there. Why not? If I guess if you could ref one sport, uh, I, I suppose you can ref another one. Maybe just just you just got to use your hands more. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, but to be to be fair, the, he, does, he doesn't have to do much to this match anyway. So yeah, there, has, there weren't does. too many uh, there weren't too many pinfall attempts in this match. No, there wasn't. Um, one thing um, to say: the commentators of this match are Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler. Um, I I kind of t- I've always been torn about McMahon as a commentator because he, he sounds so enthusiastic, and that's great. One thing that would annoy me is that every pinfall he asked like that's going to end the match. Oh, oh yeah, that's that's his that's his deal. I mean, that's he's he's the very, he's the classic example of the uh, he he's the classic example of the type of commentator that seems like on the surface of like you know like he's been in the business forever. You know, he understands yeah. enough about the business to be like, yeah, this is how I build a match. That was good as well. And somehow, I don't know what it is. There's just like something missing there, and maybe it's maybe it's like, I, and I don't even t- chalk it up to like the like the stuff that a lot of people do, where they're like, "Well, he don't call the moves right," you know, he don't say the moves right. Because like after a certain point, it's like if you're telling if you're if someone's telling a story in the ring, ninety percent of the time you don't have to necessarily be like, yeah, you know, it'd be like Fishman Suplex giant body slam you know it's it's always more about the enthusiasm than it is about like you know even like it it helps to know what the heck's going on obviously you know and and moves do that but some yeah but you're right when you say though that like there's just something about mcmahon's commentary style that something about it is always just a little bit off and not quite as good as it could be, and it so, and sometimes it hurts in like you know big moments. It, I mean, it, thankfully after this point, it you know like you know two years later when it's McMahon, Jerry Lawler, and Jim Ross, and Ross and Ross's role is to basically be the guy that's like, oh, here's what he's doing. This is why this is important. That yeah. was at least a, that was at least them maybe admitting, okay, McMahon's strong at some of these things. JR's stronger at these other things, and Lawler's there just to be, you know, uh, an, an asshole to everybody. <laughs> but yes. that's what he's doing. <laughs> well, he does. Yes, he, he, is, he, is annoying. he is, like, annoying, but that's his job to do it. It's, it's not as bad as him being annoying now. And uh, he just, like... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that to a point. Um, although, then again, when, when we speak of this, we're talking about the... Uh, the current commentary era of uh, Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler, and JBL. And oh, God, yeah. For better or worse, Jerry Lawler is the least annoying component of those three people, which is surprising yeah. for me to say, because I'm yeah, like yeah. the one where I'm like, fire Jerry Lawler, but then it's like you almost barely ever hear Jerry Lawler in a broadcast. I've almost forgotten he's even on the commentary team, because... It's either becomes JBL's thing where he just interrupts every other thing, and it's, yeah. what's funny is JBL's playing Jerry Lawler basically now, and Jerry Lawler's just playing I don't know a guy that sits there for a long time. Yeah, yeah, he's like he, he just meant it's a sad thing to remind people that he actually is. Yeah, but yeah, nonetheless. So you know, yeah, I know you mean that. Whatnot. Oh, by the way, when the match starts, one thing I found really funny is, um, I think the first two minutes are literally just uppercuts. <laughs> just yeah, so, uppercuts. well, 
Yeah, that, that's how that's how the uh, match starts. Yeah, it's just a, do it. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, um, I I also put a note because um, if you were if you were watching the uh, the uh, if you've ever played the very popular video game WWE Two K Fourteen. Which no, I if, you watch, if you watch, if you watch Raw, the implication is supposed to be that it's the best game of all time, and you're like, N- no, no, no. It's an Ebby, yeah. Yeah, I know. But uh, I had like an in joke based around that is that it must be that they must have accidentally tagged the uh, pace match option too quick because <laughs> it's within about twenty seconds. Uh, he already pulls Undertaker already pulls off his signature move. He already pulls off the yeah, old the, school, and I'm just like, yeah, oh, cool. If this is WWE 13, this match uh, 2K14 or whatever, this match would be over five seconds later because he threw a tombstone and they just count three. Yeah, um, yeah, but that's how it pretty much starts. So Taker turns his back and Buddy goes for him, but he misses, and that's when Taker does like he, he never did punches to start with, like this throat thrust thing that he did. And then he does the old school move. And I remember watching it, I was like, that's an early move for him to be doing. He said that to be later on in the match, but this match is like seven minutes, so... Yeah. No, it makes sense to do it straight away. Um, Undertaker does three close line, and then Bundy goes down. Um, but Bundy managed to get back into it, and close lines take it over the top rope. Uh, take it down to his feet, and DBRC uh, at the time is walking backwards towards Undertaker. Uh, bumps into him and take a grouchy urn and the crowd goes nuts when this happens. Yeah, that was that that was fantastic. Although I I always oh, yeah. found it really funny that um it was literally the most nonchalant taking of an urn I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, it was. <laughs> he just like he's like, oh, here you go. It's <laughs> just here. Oh, look at that. I have, I have my oh, yeah. very important thing that makes me powerful thing back. Oh, look at that. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then it's even funnier when it's even more nonchalant when just uh, when uh, later on in the match, uh, which I guess I guess when we say later on in the match, we mean like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's like that long. Yeah, listen, uh, take it and Paul Barrett. They celebrate for like ninety seconds. Did uh, you actually go to the aisle and the Supreme Fighting Machine, which always makes me laugh when I have to say that, um, Colin Mustafa comes out. He's, he's um, a he, superstar. That's why he's a supreme fighting machine. <laughs> Early yes, days of UFC. Uh, yes, um, for those that don't know, Karma Stopper used to be Pabashango and then became the Godfather a few years later. And, and became was, the Good Father, which was yeah, one like, of those four gimmicks because oh, yeah, <laughs> it, was really it was really dumb, but at the same time, I like the idea that, um, that uh, as a character that he was a reformed uh, pimp who now really hated uh, anything related to sex, and that yeah. Val Venus was a reformed uh, porn star porn who star. also now hated everything related to sex. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah, and remember correctly, Stephen Witch's first convert was the Godfather, wasn't he? I think, I think so, yeah. I think it was... Uh, yeah. It was like a ben. godfather, then uh, they brought him Bull Buchanan at some juncture in that. Yeah, he wasn't there for long. Yeah, um, and then uh, and then I- Ivory was just randomly a member as well. And I was like, oh yeah, that's just yeah. the right to censor. Now that's a staple yeah. that uh, could never come back in this pure WWE PG era. Am I right, you guys? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. Um, so... So uh, when uh, Carmen gets the urn, Taker grabs him for over the top rope. And one thing I found weird is that DBRC, instead of like grabbing the urn and pushing go to Carmen, yeah, you know, fuck that guy effectively. He tries to stop, you know, Karma from like being taken, which I found weird because surely, me don't know this was uh, this evil guy bought all these contracts. Surely it make more sense to go, yeah, I'm taking the urn. Good luck. I'm off. Kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a very the million dollar corporation didn't make a whole lot of sense. Let's be honest. No. <laughs> as as that's really anything, really. I mean, especially especially when we go into like you know the the later days of the fact that they're that's that they're like let's kick out the main guy that's uh you know 
got us, I don't know, main event check at WrestleMania. Let's get in uh, friggin' uh, the one, two, three kid. <laughs> that is going to take us to the top. Yeah, yeah because I think Bam Bam is probably the most, probably the most talented wrestler in that group. Well, except for me, the other man, but he wasn't wrestling. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I think he long since, uh, well, I'm guessing he retired after, uh, a, after one of the Money Inc. Uh, tag team runs, because I don't, I feel like he never, after you know, Money Inc. lost the titles right around, uh, we'll say the early nineties. I don't, I don't have the yeah. exact date on me. Um, that DiBiase just never wrestled again. Like he was just always like uh, either a mouthpiece or like even later yeah. on when he was in the NWO, he was just a guy there that you know, t- that was like uh, just a non wrestler that existed there. Um, yeah, I just, like I I suppose good for him. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm sure he made more than enough money in the uh, business to where he could get away with saying, "Yeah, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this wrestling thing anymore. I'll just uh, I don't know. Sometimes I'll take a bump, maybe you know, to sell an angle yeah. or whatever. But you know, I don't need to do this. I can talk. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a weird thing because um, I, I look when I first started into wrestling, I was on WrestleMania eight, so it was when it was going through his Money Inc. Uh, stage. and uh, But I never got, never got a chance to see him as a single wrestler until, like, years later, watching old videotapes. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a, it's a startling experience to even see, like, uh, uh, DiBiase wrestle in the, to the extent of, like, you know, like, basically the, the Mid-South Wrestling set that uh, WWE recently put out is basically just... For better, you know, actually, probably for the best, a, a love letter to Ted DiBiase matches and how great yes. they can be, which is you know like this whole night, you know this whole eighty two eighty three run where at first he's a heel and then it you know and then they have him turn babyface basically just by nearly bleeding to death. The all yeah. the all uh, an old tactic the WWE themselves would take years later. Yes. Um, and all of that, and you're like, holy crap, this guy is good. Just, like, just damn good. Oh, yeah. He was. He's, he, I think WrestleMania 4 was his finest hour. Where he, he, he was trying a lot of matches, but he, but he really got the chance to show how technical he, can, he is. Right, yeah. I've never, I've, I've always never heard of WrestleMania 4's, like, you know, the more praised as I've certainly haven't heard as like a praise about WrestleMania just cause it's always like the start of the arguments be like, you know, the crowd was dead for a lot of the show and yeah. And things of that sort. And it, the moment like, but at the very least you can imagine that like, you know, the Savage DiBiase match, especially it's still, oh, yeah, you know, a very, a very, very solid enough moment to be like, Oh, good, good on you guys. Anyways, yeah. so, well, what yeah. we've learned is Kama has the urn, and yeah, despite and I, this, um, Bundy just, I mean, he, like, part of the selling that they had was that Bundy just wouldn't go down for moves, like, yes, just, he, but then he did, and then they were like, oh, well, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah um, Kama, um, Yossi tells Kama to leave the urn, and that's, on this is the weird bit I was talking about earlier is that what WWE were doing was uh, as a wrestler would come in Jim Ross would just be standing there and sometimes would interview them which seems it seemed really weird to me and I know that um, I know they were college football because we had the World Championship Series on here in the UK I know when you know when teams come out you get the trick interview with the coach right uh, so but you, you never get to see that in football, like the main sports here, uh, you might get like an inter- what I started doing with rugby now is getting an interview with a coach like halfway through the match, kind of thing. You know, during, during the half, so I'll go speak to this coach and have like a trip minute, no, trip chat to see how things are going, how you find the match, kind of thing. But I just found this really weird, just out of nowhere, that like Jim Watts like interviewing Karma, going, No, what the hell are you doing, kind of thing, and uh, not yours. Um, this is when Karma states they're going to melt the earth and turn it into a chain, uh, which <laughs> <laughs> which he which he does. He, he, I know I, I cannot find an image of the actual necklace itself, but uh, Karma's necklace it, it shows up for the first time on the April 10th episode of War. So he actually goes through with it. There's no chance for Undertaker to like 
We claim it. Uh, that, that's what the kids want these days. They want to yes. uh, melt uh, their uh, burial items into a fashionable chain with which to wear around town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually had never, I actually had never thought about like how strange that would be to, uh, uh, I, I mean, I, I could understand that like to, uh, viewers outside of the U S that obviously some of the parts of it were, you know, some of how, how WWE presents their product and whatnot would be, yeah. uh, uh, a little foreign for lack of a better term. Um, but, um, I didn't think about the idea that like, I, I think I'm just so ingrained with like, you know, the the imagery of like, you know, college football, pro football, whatnot, to where there's yeah. always a sideline reporter and they always have to be there and be like, well, coach, you did okay this half. How do you feel about that? And he'd be like, well, I did okay this half, but we got to do better because that's how we do it. You know, like, <laughs> you're just used to that. You're just used to that, like, uh, ingrained in that. And it's even funnier because I don't even, because for, yeah, I mean, now. WWE still does that to an extent as well, but I think they try to do more of their storytelling through uh, video packages now than just, like, yeah. there, I mean, there will be once or twice in, like, a pay-per-view where there'll be, like, you know, Sheamus is talking to, I don't know, Renee Young, and he's, you know, he's saying, I'm gonna win, you're like, oh, good, you, I'm <laughs> glad you wanna win, you know, just yeah, that sort it, of thing. Yeah, you you know, I know it's all predetermined, but you're not, you know, in kayfabe thing. You're not <laughs> going to lose. I really want to lose this one. <laughs> yeah. This isn't going to go well. Yeah, it's not the thing about the doom kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, I get. I'm I'm sure that they they probably experimented with the idea of like a Santino that has to take on like a 500 pound man or something like you know Santino versus like Big Show man. Yeah, I'm sure they uh, experimented. With I mean, that's him what just saying. Uh, no, I'm not even trying to do with this. <laughs> I'm not even going to compete in this match. I'm just going yeah. to just go home. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I'm done. That's it. And then, and then we've yeah, seen like, the mean. angles where, you know, like a wrestler will randomly leave like four minutes into his match, which, which I've always found strange because it's like, it's like, you've given all this effort to even wrestle in this match. <laughs> Why are you walking away from it? You could have done that like the first yeah. five seconds. Yeah. I remember, um, Mark Henry did it when he was World Heavyweight Champion. He had put pay per view matches, and then but he, he was like, he would leave, just go, yeah, I'm, you know, I can't bother with this anymore. I'm leaving, kind of thing. But I always, always found quite amusing. He he goes into this match and then realized, oh, I'm actually in home with my head here, even though he's like four times the size of the guy. Right. And he goes, right, I'm off. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah so how uh, WWE does cowardly heel booking because it almost always never is a guy that actually should be a cowardly heel. It's almost like, yeah. as you said, it's like a Mark Henry type where you're like, where he's like, he faces like the big show, a guy who's literally his size <laughs> or maybe yeah. a little bit bigger, but that, but not like terribly much. And it's like, then they're like, Mark Henry's like, I don't get it, which I guess that's supposed to be the bully archetype of, uh, that any bully that encounters, that has to fight someone that is their size is like, oh, crap. But anytime yeah. they deal with someone who's like, uh, looks like Evan Bourne, they're just like, ha, 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 that, that sort of thing. Yeah. But, it, I don't know what I was getting at there. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think it, yeah, I think in terms of Cowley Heels, I think The Rock did it the best, when it's going through his Hollywood gimmick. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say another thing about this. This is another aside. I, I think there's a reason yeah. why there are so many asides in this, because I don't yeah. know if anybody <laughs> wants to meet. I, I, I mean, we could note that at one point during this match, King Kong Bundy has, like, a chin lock on, like, Taker for, like, a minute. And yeah, he does. So while you yeah, think about that definitely. super chin lock, I'm going to... You can time this at home. <laughs> um, you can time the amount of time that he's in this chin lock while I talk about... Uh, what makes the Rock Hollywood gimmick so good? So, okay, clock's starting now. Um, so, uh, basically, I, when I'm playing WWE 2K14, uh, they play like random entrance themes and whatnot. They play, you know, yeah. you know whatever random thing is that one. And almost always, it randomly generates the Hollywood Rock theme. Which is just oh, epic. Like this is like my favorite part of it is it's the theme that most sounds like a theme to a video game. Like it sounds like it just kind of starts. You know, it's just very lulling and peaceful. 
for like the, for like the one minute where I think it's like in the Titantron itself. It's also got like the helicopters and whatnot, and you know, just yeah, hilarious, yeah. hilarious vanity. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The, at the very beginning, you see. Sorry, at the very beginning, you see um, like you see the helicopter going around, and then you hear this is cooking, and that's when it kicks in the theme. <laughs> yeah, it's I love it's that. pretty great. Oh, by the way, uh, King Kong Bundy uh, still got that chin lock on uh, Taylor. <laughs> still got it yeah. in. Um, yeah. Still doing it. Um, he's he's really he's but he's putting it on there hard. I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. During the chin lock, like Bear was like clearly for encouragement from the crowd, and Taylor does get get up. Um, Bundy, I was just in the two turnbuckles and does a lot of after the second one, but taking no sells it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you through this whole, like, I get hit. Oh, yeah, that doesn't actually affect me, kind of thing. Um, Bundy tries another avalanche bounce, uh, sorry, avalanche splash, sorry, but gets a big boost instead. Uh, Ticket does a scoop, scat, a scoop slam and then a flying clothesline to get the win. And that. He didn't came... even get a tombstone file driver on him. Oh, no, man. Uh, I mean, no, and then. Or even no, a trunk slam. That's the thing. It's it, hey, that's not. There's no way that should end the match. I don't care. Doing a let's have a Bradshaw with the close hand hell where he literally does almost kill people with it. Right. That's the only, only time to do it. But I'm not defending Undertaker here. But his last two WrestleMania opponents have either been bigger than him, right, or heavier than him. And right. I'm sure Taker's a strong dude, but. The move, the tombstone is a very, you have to be very strong to do it because you have to literally yeah. pick him up and put him like reverse parallel to you, keep him there, and then drop onto your knees. We're trying not to put his head there first. Right. So it's a, it's, I, I, I'm not, I completely agree. It's a very crappy way to win a match. You could have done something. You could have, you could have done a DDT or something that would have been happy with it. But yeah. no. It's a it's a it's a flying clothesline. <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say well, yeah, but it's very. I, I guess I can understand also in that it may maybe take her after a certain point. It's like, look, I'm literally like the second or third match on this card. Like, uh, I'm, I'm barely in the first you know hour, and it's not this match is not a marquee match. I think no. I can just win it with whatever you know, as long yeah. as it is a move. That looks like a thing that may put someone down for three. I think I'll be fine. And I think the whole point was supposed to be that uh, they were taking the, they were doing the uh, the uh, the uh, allusion to uh, to uh, Hogan Bundy and the idea that yeah. um, Hogan, when Hogan power slams, the idea that when the big babyface power slams the uh, or body slams the guy. Um, all of a sudden, that other guy is just the weakest man alive. He can't do anything about it. Like, yes, you know, that's true. when Hogan body slammed Andre, it's like, oh, this is definitely, this match is, well, I guess he has a big boot, you know, he has a leg drop and whatnot, but at the same time, yeah. I think the whole idea is just supposed to be after that power slam that, I don't know, maybe the maybe the, the fat dude is just real embarrassed. <laughs> He's just like, oh, I'm just might as well lose now. Let me yeah. get out of here. Just, yeah, it's all over. <laughs> this is real yeah. embarrassing. This really yeah. does a lot. This really destroys my image of being the the immovable object, proverbially, if I can be yes. moved. Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, so pretty much that, that's how the match went ends. Uh, <laughs> that's how long it went. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, take those off but take Bearer stops him. And... Lola states a bittersweet victory, which is true because yes, he's beat Bundy, but he doesn't have the urn. Well, right. well he did for like ninety seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but after two, but I, I would say two nonchalant takings of the urn because like Kama just kind of got it out of uh, Paul Bearer's hands real easily. It feels like yeah. neither of those uh, urn captures were really struggles. It feels like it was just more like whoops. <laughs> Don't yeah. have it anymore. Can't do anything about it. Oh well, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's also 
it, it got to the point there where the match was so brief that I just kind of just kept on the thing and it went to like, you know, and I think like they're, I think, I think they focused way more on the show long storyline of whether or not Pamela Anderson was actually in the building or oh, whether yeah, she was not. <laughs> but they focused more on that than just the ending to this match and how Kama took an urn from a man that's power is entirely based around urns. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, well, that's, well, that's the last time you see the urn for 18 years when, because the urn is used to, in the tribute to Paul Bearer. And is that, that true? I almost thought it came back maybe briefly. Like, No, I mean, I can't remember because, uh, skipping ahead here, next year is the last, last, uh, when Paul Bearer's there and he's not in the Western Mania match on the table for three years because I think the year before, I mean, in WrestleMania 40, I can't remember if he was, he was manager with, with Kane or not. Uh, but obviously, it didn't. But when in WrestleMania 15, when it come out, there's no urn. And then, but I can't, it might have been in WrestleMania 20 when Undertaker makes his, um, his second Dead Man comeback. The urn might have been there, but I I can't remember. I've only ever watched that match once that was live. So I can't remember that bit at all. But yeah, it turns. It's one of those things where, after a while, the thi- the thing disappears, and ultimately, there's there's enough of an evolution of the Undertaker character as we see over time, anyway, um, to where it no longer is like this this heavy component based around the urn. It's more just like it's just they do obviously up until you know where we are now. They do play up like the supernatural power of. Um, how Undertaker performs at WrestleMania, almost as if, you know, like, he's just this, you know, supernatural force, even to the point to where, and this is the last time I'm going to mention the WWE 2K14 game. Yeah. Because, <laughs> so well, you... well, mention it because of two things. One, inexplicably, they have the Taker-Bundy match in as the WrestleMania 11 match, which makes zero sense, really, because of all the matches that you want to perform, this is this is not, like... No. Like, going <laughs> in, I kind of, you know, knew that this match wasn't exactly on the level of the other ones, but then you watch the match and you go, oh, that's it? Yeah. Um, you realize... <laughs> you realize that, I guess, someone, like, at, at 2K was just like, well, you know, we have an Undertaker... We have a King Kong Bundy because we got to include the WrestleMania two match. Yeah. Why don't we just put them in one of the matches and we can just call it a day? We just got it and be like, yeah, you can. I don't know, you body slam them. There you go, call it a day, and then we'll go to twelve because yeah. otherwise there's not much to bring. I, I think. Uh, I think that was the uh, eleven was the Shawn Michaels Diesel match, correct? Yes, it was. It was the okay, match. Yeah. So they just put those two matches next to each other and just be like, yeah, you know. Just give them, like, a break match where they can just easily just be like, yeah, cool, you get to be The Undertaker. And then not do anything cool. <laughs> just be yeah. a person who beats up a, a fat dude for a few minutes and then wins. Yes, it's, um, I think it turns up the streak so far. This is probably the second, maybe the third worst match in the streak yeah i i could i can't really say myself on like that order of the streak necessarily just because i'd imagine the giant gonzalez match is worse yes it is um but i also but i also can't imagine that the giant gonzalez match was uh well i i'm sure it was sold about the same way that this one was but it, it feels like like it feels like that even that match was meant to be like this, you know, big deal where this match just feels like nothing. Like it just yeah, feels like, it just feels like, a, as I said, it feels like a match that Undertaker, you know, gets, you know, you got to put an Undertaker match on the show. Cause you know, he's a big deal and they're just like, Oh, you know, we'll go Bundy. Like, and then they just kind of, you know, forget about it or whatever. Like it could have been Sid. It could have been, you know, Teddy yeah. Biasi could have just got another random guy. It could have been IRS, for God's sake. You know, just yeah, anybody that make sense. Just anybody that's in, like, that... It could have even been Kama, really, you know? It, it, in fact, it might have actually went over... It probably wouldn't have went over that much better, you know? But 
Kama no, at least has like the aura at this point is supposed to have like the aura of a guy that's um they're attempting to make a big deal even if he isn't a big deal you know they're they at least he's a newer guy they're attempting it and it would, wouldn't just feel yeah. so much like um, a retread yeah that's true i mean um i mean after, after this match uh take a dust face karma two more times he faced him in dark match uh the first ever in your house um, and then he faced him again at the Kakamai SummerSlam that year, and Taker beats wins both times. Um, but it's a simple. It's just, I mean, in terms of the Giant Gonzalez match, it, that is a big deal at the time because this is the no Giant Gonzalez is like a foot taller than the Undertaker, right? And uh, the crowd, even though there's like a grand total of three wrestling moves in the whole match. Um, and the aftermath of the match, it takes longer than the actual match itself, the trial was into it. I feel like that there is something to be said, too, about the idea of, like, an actual, like, I think people do like the, or at least did, like the idea of, like, the big man that can actually challenge the, uh, the, uh, the other big man, I guess. Uh, like, yes. people do like that actual Hogan-Andre story. And I get why WWE, at least in that, uh, you know, early 90s era where business is going downhill and they're like, what the heck do we do? What do we do? And they, you know, I get why they try that, why they try that again and again and again to less successful results every time. I, you know, and, but I also think that, like, there's also, I think that, what they learn, the big lesson of this match you learn, at least, like, as far as, like, from, you know, the perspective of someone in, you know, 1995, is that after a point, that match just gets so tiring that, um, if you're, if you're in a situation where Undertaker versus a big guy is a match possibility that you have, and you're like, yeah, of course, you know, Undertaker versus a big guy, people will like that. Um, but when you're in a desperate state of mind to where you're like, let's bring back a big guy that was in a big match nine years ago. Like, and it wasn't really because it was like, he had like this great name power or anything like that. He wasn't even like, he wouldn't even, the funniest thing about Bundy to me is that he wasn't even earthquake. Like, like yes, earthquake had like the more iconic feud with Hogan as far as, as far as, you know, the time period of like people that were growing up. In the yeah. in like in the little era in between, you know, rock and wrestling, and where this would be new generation era, or yeah. or and you obviously couldn't do anything with Andre anymore, just because you know his body had been so broken down that you know it's you know he's by this point I don't know if he passed on, I think he passed on not too long after this. I think he was inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, this particular year. Yeah, um, it was a posthumous one as well. Oh yeah, so he so he did pass on. That's true. Okay. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, like they had like that, like but there was definitely still performers out there, um, that seemed to like that they would be a better fit for this than Bundy was, and yet, I guess you know, for I I think Earthquake was in WCW at this point. I think it's the Shark. <laughs> um, so yeah. that was so that was not a big deal or anything like that. And, that, and then it was just the time frame. Like ninety five was just a ca- catastrophically bad year. Um, like I mean, and that's and that's before you mentioned things like uh, you know Mabel winning King of the Ring. By the way, uh, R I P. Uh, Nelson Frazier. We're as we're taping as we've taped this. Uh, the day prior, um, we found out that uh, Nelson Frazier had uh, passed on from a uh, heart yeah. attack. So R.I.P. to him. And no, no disrespect, just because uh, not a lot of people liked his run in '95. I liked his run as Big Daddy V. That's the best thing I could say, I guess. Yeah, he, that was the that was. Uh, I know he did that during his ECW days. And then after like 2006, 2007 time. Um, but I, I remember most as during the Attitude Era, where he's like, big. Yeah, he, uh, the, the era just before he became, I think as Brandon Stroud labeled him, a gross sexual predator. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, he was, like, he, like, he had an interesting look about him. I mean, he, he had the look that I believe, uh, had been made famous prior by Missy Elliott, the, uh, proverbial trash bag 
sort of a style look. Um, yeah, and you know, it's, uh, he he had some he had his moments as 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 a lot of wrestlers do. A lot of wrestlers have their moments. Oh, they do. Uh, yeah, actually, I mean, even even Ken Kennedy did something good once. Yes, um, I don't know. I mean, I I kind of know more of Mr. Anderson DNA, but he's never. I like his entrance, and that's pretty much it. Oh, so you you yep, you've caught up to basically how everyone feels about yeah. Kennedy slash Anderson yeah. on that one. Anyways, yeah. I'm gonna let you uh, wrap this up here. I'll let you wrap this yeah, up sure. on your own uh, show. So, uh, Craig Webb. Sorry, say that again. I was gonna say I'm gonna let you wrap up uh, your your own show. I don't <laughs> really know this one. Let's sound. Yeah, anyway. same wraps up now. Yeah, that's no problem. Um, so, Craig, where can we find you on the internet? Um, if you if you uh, mostly right now, I'm, I'm just a, a Twitter account. Uh, my Twitter account is a crimson mask. I have yeah. not uh, changed it to just mask yet, despite the fact that I know that uh, it's very, very popular these days to drop your first name. Um, so, um, but for now, it's just going to be a crimson mask, uh, and, and it, Lord knows what I'll what I'll do next. So probably uh, when Total Divas comes back, uh, I'll keep up my recap on that, and yeah, who knows. Um, yes, and you can find me at um, lowdownwrestling.blogspot.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at lowdownwrestling. Um, and also, if you've got any questions about the streak in general, either send me Twitter um, or email me at lowdownwrestling at gmail.com. And uh, thank you very much for being, uh, listening to the show, and thank you very much, Trey, for being on the show. And I know you're going to talk about the WrestleMania 15 match with me, which will be another fun match, I believe. Oh, that, will, that will be, yeah, that will probably be more fun because of the things I've heard about that particular match. Yes, um, I, I've, I've probably seen that a couple of times, um, but we'll, we'll get to that. We've, I've got two, I've got three more matches to go through before we get to that one. So, um, so once again, thank you for listening to the show, and goodbye. Okay. All right. Um... <laughs>